0: Alright, so this is the conclusion of this talk series on knowing right from wrong, Um, and tonight I'm focusing it on what in a sense is a very fashionable topic, Mm. environmental ethics. Um, But what I want to try and communicate is that the church actually has something very different to say about the environment from in a sense the secular green angle. and as Pope Francis argues, actually what the Church is saying gives us a deeper reason to care for the environment. Um, and the, in a sense the controversial thing, the thing where the Church is different, um, hinges on um, the place of humanity in the cosmos. Um, so. Said so our duty to care for our common home. So that's the subtitle of Pope Francis's encyclical this year. How he refers to the environment as our common home. So um, of the various points to think about, actually the question where to begin actually is rather important or illuminating, maybe. So if I was to ask you the question. In which section of the catechism... Hi there, come on in, take okay. a seat. i have only just begun. Oh, Mother <laughs> Dylan, did, did you not want to record this one? Like? Why? you haven't got your... Oh, I decided that caused more yeah. interference. <laughs> so I was just looking at an opening question. Um, which section of the catechism is the church's teaching on the environment any guesses mm-hmm. Well actually no there is a specific section, and it 's the moral life mm-hmm. of the tr- of how to live um, is in the uh, <coughs> section three of the Catechism, structured around the Ten Commandments, and the commandment that it fits in is the command against theft. Mm-hmm. So what the traditional Christian way of understanding our duties to the environment is in terms of the question of property. And so sins against the environment are a type of theft. Um, So, seventh commandment, Thou shalt not steal. uh, Environmental destruction is destroying property that belongs to the whole human race. So it's not just my property to be treating it as I choose so St Thomas Aquinas um, puts it this way Um, he says "He he that kills another's ox sins sins not by killing the ox but through injuring a man's property another man's property so it's not my ox I don't have a right to kill it And that's kind of an image to think of our whole way of needing to care for the environment. So the catechism uh, puts it this way. The goods of creation are destined for the whole human race. So in anything I'm doing in relating to the environment, I need to be thinking of that whole human race. Not just me, not just England, um, and not just my generation, but the future as well. So we think of um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, so what the scriptural image is. We see them being given, entrusted with all of the goods of creation. So it's all given to our first parents we refer to it as being mediated to us via private ownership Um, but common ownership remains primordial and let me just explain what I mean by saying that so all the goods of creation are for all of humanity but in a sense if something belongs to everybody it kind of belongs to nobody that how do you kind of use it? well when the church talks about the right to private ownership It's a very conditional right to own things. That private ownership is just a way of distributing all the goods of creation among different people. So that if I have my house and my garden, I'm therefore responsible for my house and my garden. It's not that they are something I have an absolute claim on. It's just a way that those needs are mediated. So that the primordial, the primary, the basic thing in everything to do with ownership is actually that it belongs ultimately to everybody. So in all of my dealings, not just with the environment but how I use my money, I need to be thinking of the effects on everybody and my duty to everybody. So an illustration here, somebody who is starving. Um, St Thomas Christ puts it this way, in cases of need all things are rendered common property so that there would seem to be no sin in taking another's property for need has made it common. So what he's referring to there is the fact that somebody who is starving can steal from someone who has food because then it isn't actually stealing. That the primordial ownership of everything is common and if somebody who has lots of food is hoarding it and not sharing it with a man who is starving actually it's not that he's choosing to keep his own stuff actually he is he is the one who is stealing that things belong at the most basic level to everybody and in cases of starvation that right kicks back in and becomes primary again. So when we think of the environment and owning and using things, actually this notion that actually everything belongs commonly as the primary (coughs) sense of ownership is very important. to return to this quote the goods of creation are destined for the whole human race Okay, so it's sometimes put this way Um, so thinking of stealing environmental property one way is thinking of theft from future generations so I've got that image from some sci-fi film you often get images of the future (coughs) where the world is seen as very polluted and dirty so what you have done is you have polluted the world when you live so that the world you are leaving to the generation after you is a dirty, damaged world. You are damaging their property. You are stealing from them. So it's an act of theft against future generations. So that's one way of thinking of who you are stealing from. You're stealing it from people who don't yet exist, but who have a right to it, because it is our common property. Uh, Pope Benedict said this a couple years ago, he said, this is a responsibility that present generations have towards those of the future. Natural resources should be used in such a way that immediate benefits do not have a negative impact on living creatures, human and not, present and future. For the benefit of people now and in the future. So that's one angle: thinking about the future generations and not stealing from them by damaging the environment. Another image is um, theft within our own generation. Now, got here an image of, um, well, the Holy Land or you could just Israel, and the River Jordan running through it. Now who does the water in the river belong to? You might not know, but the Israelis have um, been very efficient in irrigating while the State of Israel has existed, so much so that even though we might talk about global warming on a (coughs) worldwide scale, the temperature in Israel has dropped three degrees centigrade through the vast numbers of trees um, that they've irrigated from the river. Now the problem with that is they've taken so much water out of the river, um, that well, so that the Dead Sea level is dropping, but it also means places like Jordan, they don't have any water, or they don't have the water that they would have if the Israelis hadn't taken it. Um, so there are lots of commentators now who talk about what they are envisaging in the future will be water wars, that wars in the future will be fought over commodities like water. Um, And there are companies now who are saying that water shouldn't be seen as a universal right but actually is a commodity and therefore (coughs) you don't have a right to the water in the river. The company can sell it to you and because we buy so much bottled water now, that almost sounds normal to us. But that is quite a substantial shift, and if that was to become enshrined in international law, we'd change the power balance of a huge number of things. So, it's not just use of property, the environment as property affecting future generations, but within our own generation, from one nation to another, from one society to another, one tribe to another, how we use our bit of the environment affects others. And so who we are stealing from um, isn't just future generations, but those within our own generation. And our use of the environment has to respect the rights of others. So this question of property and theft is only this is one of the images I'm going to use tonight. But summing that up, the two ways we steal the environment, from future generations by destroying what we leave to them, but within our own generation by taking to ourselves what should be available to others. Right, a different concept now. What's called um anthropocentrism Um, and I want to point out what Pope Francis talks about in his encyclical Laudate Si a true and a false form of anthropocentrism Um, anthropos meaning humanity centric meaning centred so what is everything centred on? well is it centred on humanity or not? And from a Christian perspective we would say yes it is but there's also an abusive way of understanding that as well that isn't in keeping with our faith. So, anthropocentric. That the human person is at the centre of the meaning of everything else. And the centre of the value of everything else. So there's a amazing what you can find on google um, yes. so if you have that vision of anthropocentric that the, the world exists for him he's the centre of it he can devour it um, there's a way of thinking about that that's very selfish very destructive and Pope Francis in one of the things he condemns he repeatedly refers to a, a perverted anthropocentrism Got a quote here. Yes, so he says this. So the Catechism clearly and forcefully criticizes a distorted anthropocentrism. He, and now he's quoting the Catechism. Each creature possesses its own particular goodness and perfection. Each of the various creatures, willed in its own being, reflects in its own way a ray of God's infinite wisdom and goodness. Man must therefore respect the particular goodness of every creature to avoid any disordered use of things. Mm. So a selfish anthropocentrism is condemned by the church. But, um, and this is where the church's vision of the environment is very different to a lot of secular thinking about the environment, the church does say nonetheless that um, God created everything. For man, Why do all these things exist for us? That we might have a home, um, that we have a value that transcends the rest of the cosmos. We are the only beings that are enabled, created such that we can think, that we can love. We are the only beings that can glorify God as rational beings, as loving beings this gives us a dignity, a place in the cosmos, that transcends the value of everything else. And so that everything else is therefore ordered towards us, in order that it might be ordered towards Christ. Um, So that Christ (coughs) as a rational um, person, the second person of the Trinity, couldn't have become incarnate in a goldfish Uh, it was proper for him to assume a nature that was like him capable of loving of thinking Um, so we have a place in the cosmos that's different to everything else and everything else is ordered towards us for that so the catechism says that we're given animals to be our food trees to be our shelter but these things are here for our benefit Uh, so this image is um, kind of a a diagram with humanity at the top of it so Pope Francis um, said God created the world for man setting human beings at the pinnacle of the entire cosmos Vatican II says all things on earth should be related to man as their centre and crown also says, man created in God's image received a mandate to subject to himself the earth and all it contains. Now a lot of talk on the environment will so focus on the way that the human at the top will <clears throat> wantonly destroy what is beneath him that it's unwilling to acknowledge that actually there is a difference in value between the different parts of the cosmos. Now what this means is that the church is rejecting, what well, these are two kind of equivalent terms, what sometimes sort of eco ecocentrism or biocentrism. Biocentrism meaning that what should be the focal point isn't humanity, but is just life in general. Um, Or ecocentrism, just the ecology, the system, should be what is valued. And then humanity would be somewhere in the mix, but wouldn't have a, a peak position, just be no more significant than the rabbit or the butterfly or the spider. Just one part among men. Pope Benedict says this, he says, Ecocentrism and biocentrism eliminate the difference of identity and worth between the human person and other other living things. In the name of a supposedly egalitarian vision of the dignity of all living creatures, such notions end up abolishing the distinctiveness and superior role of human beings. Um, I've actually... The different things I'm quoting here, I'm deliberately sometimes quoting Benedict, sometimes Pope Francis, sometimes John Paul II, um, sometimes the Catechism, just to point out that actually it's not that Pope Francis is the first one in the church to be talking about the environment, that there is a, a continuity. Um, and so in his encyclical this year, uh, he's continually quoting from the other authorities that have gone before. So Pope Francis puts it this way: A misguided anthropocentrism need not necessarily yield to a biocentrism, for that would entail adding yet another imbalance, failing to solve present fom- problems and adding new ones. Human beings cannot be expected to feel responsible for the world unless, at the same time, their unique capacities of knowledge, will, freedom, and responsibility. Are recognised and valued. I think this is a very significant insight Pope Francis is putting here. He's saying if you tell the human person that he is different from the environment, you are also pointing out to him why he has a duty to care for the environment. That the rabbit <coughs> can't be told not to overbreed and destroy its environment, you can't tell the deer not to overbreed and eat all the bark and destroy the wood they live in they're they're not able to to think they don't have that different way of relating to the environment we do have freedom we do have choice we're able to think as i say able to love if we think of it spiritually Um, and therefore we have a different responsibility shifting focus again now Um, there's a phrase used in church documents called the human ecology and this is another way of trying to twist the focus so to talk about ecology but which ecology which system which well-being are we concerned with and it's the human ecology is the phrase so got here an image of kind of the world, humanity and of somebody praying. So the whole that we're concerned with is our physical existence, our social existence and our spiritual existence. And it's this whole that needs to be respected and brought to its potential. So that if we have a vision of the ecology that doesn't actually Recognize our spiritual dimension our social dimension but only focuses on the, the physical aspect of the environment or, or life just as life then we're not recognising the totality that in the plan of God is wanting to be brought to its potential now conversely if we're damaging the physical we're going to be damaging the whole as well. But the, the, the whole, whole we're concerned with has more than just the material environment um, as its focus. I'm quoting Pope Benedict again here. What is needed is something like a human ecology properly understood. Rainforests deserve indeed to be protected, but no less so does man. Um, And here's Pope Francis also talking about human ecology. The popes have spoken of human ecology closely linked to environmental ecology. We are experiencing a moment of crisis. We see it in the environment, but mostly we see it in man. The human being is at stake. Here is the urgency of human ecology. Human ecology and environmental ecology go hand in hand. I would like then for all of us to take seriously the commitment to respect and cherish creation, being attentive to every person, to counter the culture of waste and disposal, to promote a culture of solidarity and of encounter. So his solution, um, so as Catholics we often talk a lot about the continuity of church teaching, how it doesn't change, but we do also talk about development. Um, and each pope will, usually each pope will add a new insight, a new twist to something. Um, and what Pope Francis, he's he uses this phrase, the integral of ecology, he's looking more explicitly in what he's writing about, about the interrelationship Of the different parts of the ecology. And how what we need to be doing when we're relating to the ecology is relating to the bits of it in such a way that we're relating to them as bits that relate to many other things and seeing how they relate to other things. So, what I said here Um, Reality is interrelated, we must learn from reality, not just dominate it. So Pope Francis talks a lot about domination, of the rich dominating the poor. Um, But he also uses the same image of domination with respect to the environment. So how should we relate to the environment, not just as something to be dominated, but as something to be learnt from? And when we learn from it, we can also use it and develop it, but not dominate. Okay, summing this up this way, not dominating reality, so not the rich dominating the poor, the born dominating the unborn, the developed nations dominating the undeveloped. I've got a quotation. He says, when we dominate reality, he says, what happens is that man takes the place of God. Man decides for himself what to do and how to value and treat things. His fellow man is damaged. God's environment is damaged and nature itself rebels. So the difficulties we see in the environment is this image nature itself rebelling about how it's being treated. So what he wants us to do is to learn from reality and respect reality. So, the things in the environment, to learn what they are, to learn what their place in the interrelationship of everything is, and then not dominate it, but relate to it, learn um, from it, use it, but use it in a respectful way, not a dominated way. Another block quote here from Pope Francis. Neglecting to monitor the harm done to nature and the environmental impact of our decisions is only the most striking sign of a disregard for the message contained in the structures of nature itself. When we fail to acknowledge as part of reality the worth of a poor person, a human embryo, a person with disabilities, to offer just a few examples, it becomes difficult to hear the cry of nature itself. Everything is connected. Once the human being declares independence from reality and behaves with absolute dominion, the very foundations of our life begin to crumble. For instead of carrying out his role as a cooperator with God in the work of creation, man sets himself up in place of God and thus ends up provoking rebellion on the part of nature. So rebellion on the part of nature might seem... um, modern environmental thought perhaps. Um, but that is Trentis that is Pope John Paul II he's quoting from there. <coughs> uh, so I've got an image here of you know the way that the water evaporates and that there's a whole cycle of what happens in the environment. So what he's wanting is us to respect and value a thing's place in the system. So that the rainwater, the lake, um, that we're seeing its place in the system and respecting how it all affects everything else. So this quotation, "Everything is connected." I' right, trying to words a conclusion now: um, What he calls for, therefore, is changing lifestyles. He talks in particular about examining our models of consumption, how we use things, how much we use things, the quantity we eat, uh, the quantity we throw away. So he talks a lot about the throw away culture, the amount of energy we use. So um, a lot of media buzz was created about his criticism of air conditioning um, in the encyclical. But he does actually himself use air conditioning in the apartment he lives in, Um, so um, just a criticism of something doesn't mean it's automatically ruled out, it just means he's asking us to evaluate it, measure it, see its impact on other things. Um, But like for Benedict before him, what he's saying is we need more sober lifestyle. And if we took any of this seriously, actually this is a very uh, challenging set of things he's calling us to, um, to change what we eat, and the amount of energy we use. So, um, quoting Pope Benedict again, examine our lifestyle and prevailing models of consumption and production, which are often unsustainable, from a social social, environmental and even economic point of view. So the damage being done to the environment is visible in some places more than others. um, But it's just one sign of the way that we're living a lifestyle that is just unsustainable. It can't go on this way indefinitely. The amount of resources that there are, if we continue to use them this way, um, won't be available for everyone, and of course, already most of the world is in poverty, um, it's just we're not experiencing it here. Um, uh, okay, this use the word a minute ago scrap culture, the quotation from Pope Francis this scrap culture has also made us insensitive to waste, including food waste, which is even more reprehensible when in every part of the world, unfortunately, many people and families are suffering from hunger and malnutrition. Once, our grandparents were very careful not to throw away any leftover food. Consumerism has led us to become accustomed to the superfluous and the daily waste of food, which we sometimes no longer are, are no longer able to value correctly as its value goes far beyond mere economic parameters. I think this is an, an interesting thought really, that we're no longer able to value things correctly. So that if we have enough money in our bank account, um, and the choice of how much food we're going to have in our consumeristic affluent West, we're not actually realising The true value of things. Whereas, if we saw on the global scale how many people were without and how much the use of the environment, the property we are having, actually isn't being shared as it should be, we'd value things more differently. Uh, Final image. Um, so again, back to the Garden of Eden Um, how should we relate to the environment? how should we relate to creation? well this image of being a steward of it so what was um, Adam told to do? he was told to till the earth and keep it he was to be the gardener now what does a gardener do with his garden? He brings out of it a potential um, that won't be brought out of it if it's not nurtured and cared for. It will just turn into weeds or whatever else. It won't become what it could become with cultivation. A steward, though, cares for something on behalf of somebody else so a steward isn't an owner he looks after it for somebody else and we with respect to creation are not the owners god is the owner we are the stewards so we have a a real care a real dominion but only a relative one to god So. Genesis was um, commanded to till the earth and keep it. And the catechism says, in God's plan, man and woman have the vocation of subduing the earth as stewards of God. And I phrase it this way, to care for, for it, it and love it, as God loves it, that its beauty might give glory to God. So if God loves his creation, we also must love it if God loves His creation, He doesn't want it to be destroyed. Therefore, we also should not want it to be destroyed. So, if you think what a little boy does with a magnifying glass and an ant, and destroys, burning the ant, uh, enjoys burning the ant? <laughs> um, that is actually an image of what we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't be enjoying destroying. That life is there to, to flourish, to be cultivated. Um, now part of cultivating also means sometimes we restrict the population size of um, various animals that are out of control and you restrict the size of your ant population when it's invading your kitchen, um, but destroying it because you're enjoying the destruction. This is the very image that the steward of creation, what it, we shouldn't be doing. <clears throat> all right, summing all that up, what I've been going through, and um, trying to outline for you some of the different categories as the church puts it. So the notion started with the environment is property, our common house. So when we're damaging it, we are stealing from future generations, or stealing from within our own generation, that image of the Israelis using the River Jordan. Um. Anthropocentrism, (coughs) an authentic and a perverted sense, so humanity is the centre and purpose of the cosmos, it's here for us, but that doesn't mean we have a right to abuse it. Human ecology, so the wider ecosystem we should be concerned with isn't just material, but is the well-being of the human person. Um, so, as Pope Francis would sort repeatedly of focus on the poor, the deprived, um, the marginalised, and with that, um, the environment should be respected, seeing its interrelatedness. So I. I treat something carefully because I see how it relates to everything else. And hopefully that's summed up a few of the kind of churches' points and the environment.